apartment building. And okay. so, like, they have, like, really old, like, equipment. And they fixed it, like, right before, like, the beginning of the month. Some part that needed to be fixed. And it went out, like, two other times. And so, I pretty much had to use guest Wi-Fi the entire weekend. And it was just a nightmare. Like, people were just very angry. So. I can imagine. Yeah. So, I'm like, well, I've tried every internet company. This is about right. Plus, there was a storm over here, and it knocked out some of the people's internet service, too. Wow. So, so yeah, it's just like, okay, I'm glad it's up, because i got things to do for the next month. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank um, you for having about me. Women and language. I, I'm so happy that um, you guys decided to have it um, again, because I enjoyed it last year. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. And um, so... Just for time's sake, since we have 30 minutes, mm -hmm. um, could you give a brief uh, introduction of who you are, just in case somebody doesn't know who you are? Of course. So my name is Shannon Kennedy. I am the face behind Eurolinguist. Um, that's with an E at the end. It's the French spelling. And I co-organize events called Women in Language with Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages and Kirsten Cable of fluentlanguage.co.uk. And this year is going to be the third year that we host Women in Language. It's an online event that's four days. It's from September 17th to September 20th. And we feature female speakers. And our goal with the event is to champion, celebrate, and amplify lesser heard voices in the language realm. And so every year what we do is rather than have a call for papers and ask potential speakers to submit their talks to us, we proactively go out and basically recruit speakers. So we have a list that we keep running throughout the year, and we also ask for nominations from past event attendees at the end of every event, and that's how we find who speaks. Um, so rather than, you know, doing it the traditional way and calling out for papers, we proactively search for potential speakers. Oh, that's completely awesome. Um now, is there any new um, surprises that we can look forward to next week that didn't take place the first two times around? Yes, actually. This year we're doing something that we call a speakeasy, and it came over from a, another language-related thing that Lindsay Kirsten and I run together called Language League. And essentially what a speakeasy is, it's, a, it's an online language it, exchange slash meetup. So everyone at the event is invited to come and we're going to be hosting the call on Zoom where we'll put people into breakout rooms based on the language that they want to practice. And for about 40 minutes to an hour, everyone at the event will have the opportunity to practice their languages. And that's awesome. Now, I had a question. Um, like all languages will be represented or... It will it be the languages that you guys know in particular? The languages that will be represented are, are going to be the languages spoken by the attendees. So we don't have any way to predict what languages are going to be available as a part of the Speakeasy. Um, we'll mm -hmm. kind of find that out as we're organizing those calls. Uh, 
Okay. Now that that's totally cool. Cause I I don't know if you attended the uh, Polyglot Gathering online um, this year, but they had like different times with different languages, and you can just click in and um, you know listen in to like whatever room. Like they had like a whole bunch of people speaking like Arabic, for instance, and then. You can go out of that and go to like Russian, for instance, or Icelandic or Lithuanian. And it was quite interesting because I was um, really shocked how they put together their their conference in like online three weeks um, with very little, you know, um, time to spare mm-hmm. and how accessible it was. So I was just curious, like, on the accessibility side of things, um, um, will, like, uh, for people who, you know, use screen readers, for instance, like JAWS for Windows for, like, the PC or VoiceOver for the Mac, will it be, like, will this be, like, you'll be able to click on um, whichever, you know, speakeasy room it is, or will you guys be controlling that whole process we'll be controlling the whole process so we'll talk to the attendees and help organize it all for them so um it will be accessible because we'll be manually managing it okay okay that's cool i can't wait i bought my ticket already awesome we're gonna be glad to have you there with us yeah because i as soon as it uh went on sale i went and bought my ticket i was like oh i have to go (laughs) (laughs) Um, cause I had so much fun and I just finished listening to Kirsten's, um, interview with, uh, Chris and, um, I, um, what did she, she had mentioned, she had mentioned about the breakout room and I was like, that's like totally cool. Cause I mean, that was something totally different that didn't happen before. And, um, I was like, now that, that's cool. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, um, love chatting with each other, like, you know, when the speakers would be speaking or whatever, asking questions and, and going into the the women and language um, Facebook group and, and chatting about what had happened. And, but the fact that now, you know, they can kind of go and, you know, practice whatever languages are going to be available or even just, I mean, if they don't speak the language, just as a prime example, would um would they just still be able to go in there just to get a feel of what that sounds like? Yeah, of course. Um, if you don't speak a language but you'd still like to, you know, pop into one of the rooms, you're welcome to do that. With and then you can always pop back into the main room when you're ready to move on to another group. Oh, awesome! Now, is there going to be? I know that it's twenty eight, twenty nine speakers this year, and of course they're all on different time zones. So, like, what's the earliest we could be, like, expected to be hopping on to the site to start watching, um, like, the first day's round of um, speeches? So, we have, I think, more than 30 speakers this year. Um, Mm -hmm. So, we have them spread out over the four days. The very first day, the opening ceremony starts at 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time, oh, and yeah, um, 3 p.m. CST. And okay. the second day starts at 
3 a.m. Pacific Time, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, and 12 p.m. CEST. Oh, where a Saturday starts at midnight Pacific Time, 3 a.m. Eastern Time, and uh, 9 a.m. CST, and the final day starts at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. CST. So the reason that we have it set up this way is because we as hosts are operating in different time zones, and we Mm -hmm. have speakers from all across the globe who are operating in different time zones. We're trying to accommodate people in the U.S., people in Europe, people in Australia. And so we've um, set the times to start at different times each day and end at different times each day so that um, attendees from around the world and the speakers from around the world can maximize their time as a part of the event. And, um, of course, all of the talks are recorded, so if for whatever reason you're not able to attend one of the talks, um, for example, you don't feel like getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, your time to watch one of the talks, they are recorded, so you'll be able to watch them again later at another time. There's no need to attend the talks live. Um, it's great if you do because there's chat while the talks are going on, but oh, yeah. if for whatever reason you don't, there, the recording will be there indefinitely for you to watch when you're ready. Oh, well, that's awesome. I mean, not to say that I wouldn't, because trust me, I, I've already told people, um, don't call me for about five days. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be busy. Like, I'm not answering my phone. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I was up early last year, and I didn't mind it at all, actually. Because uh, I get up at five in the morning every morning, uh, pretty much because of my guide dog. So, for me... Waking up at four, three in the morning, that's not that bad. I, I, if I only have to do that one day out of the whole time, that's not bad. Because <laughs> I actually like the live aspect of it because you actually get to interact with everybody. So, um, I mean, for me personally, I know that last year what I did was I had the my phone on for in, in the Facebook group. And then I had the actual presentation on my iPad. So I was able to watch it, and then I was able to make comments in the group at the same time. Or, like, as soon as the speech was over, I was able to respond to who spoke, like, two seconds ago. You know, so I wouldn't have to be flipping back and forth. So that was, it, it was, it was... I have to say it was extremely accessible as far as, you know, my screen reader and being able to access everything and, and chime in, which was great. Because uh, I, I told all my um, friends who are visually impaired and blind and who like languages, you know, you need to buy a ticket. You would love this. You know, it's a great experience. You know, it is accessible. And, and I'm starting to see, since we've had to deal with COVID-19 for the past six months or so, worldwide, you know, more people are putting their stuff, their events online, and it is becoming more and more accessible, you know, to be able to navigate and actually interact with people. So mm-hmm. uh, I just want to say thank you for, for doing that. And um, because for a lot of us who, you know, we can't read the what's typed on the screen, you know, from the other participants, unless I, you know, have voiceover, um, you know, it's, it's great when I can actually go through something and, and feel like I can participate, you know, be an equal participant 
you know, and not have to worry about, oh my God, this froze up or, you know, I can't get into this room because of this reason, or I can't hear this talk because the sound quality isn't. So thank you so much for taking the time to put um, a lot of emphasis on making sure the tech is good. Yeah, thank you. And we appreciate you attending the event and being involved. Um, um, I'm just curious, are there, um, without giving any real spoilers away, um, I heard rumors that there might be a few speakers from, like, Africa. We have, um, a few speakers that are, yes, talking about indigenous languages, and, uh, we have, if, um, I'm gonna say her name wrong, Ifunanya Nwanonyeri, who's talking about language preservation, and, um, this, uh, year we have, um, a lot of different talks. We've, uh, every year we have, um, it's just to kind of touch on this, sorry, we have, uh, four tracks every year with that are different themes, and when we talk to speakers, we ask them to talk about something that fits into one of those four topics. And one of the new topics that we have this year is called All the Feels. And it's about language psychology and um, basically anything related to feeling even with languages. So we've had we have a lot of really interesting talks that are going to be in this new uh, track this year. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, Jamila Ball is going to be talking about the multilingual community building and the role of linguistics and language learners in the social justice movement. We have Dr. Cami Anderson who's talking about disrupting language, the impact of bilingualism on black identity in the age of Black Lives Matter. Um, so we have speakers from all over and they're talking about a lot of different interesting things. And um, the other three tracks if you're interested are living and working in languages. Mm-hmm. language mastery and dream teams and dream teams is something else that's new this year um, because we only have so many time slots and we try and have as many new speakers each year as possible what mm-hmm. we've done is some of our past speakers and then some of the speakers that we feel like would really pair well together we've actually put them into a talk together as a dream team. So, for example, we have Sylvia Perone, Elfin Waters, and Barbara Rocci, who are talking about how listening to friends talking will make you a better speaker of Italian or any foreign language. And then we have Maria Ortega-Garcia and Jessica Tafanki-Ruel, who are talking about awakening, your, awakening to yourself through language. So, again, that kind of psychology field. And um, we also have two panels, again, this year. We usually have two panels. And this year, one of our panels is on how to build confidence as a language expert with Sarah Maria Hasbun, Lena Vasquez, and Emma Green. And we also have the intricacies of language her- learning heritage languages with Desta Hale, Marissa Blasco, and Esther Saganda. So we have um, some really interesting stuff going on covering a lot of really diverse topics. Now, that's awesome. Knowing me, I'll probably watch every single one because for me, even as a language learner in my own right, I feel personally, you know, you can always find something new to learn, you know, in regards to language learning, especially when it comes down to hearing it from women, yeah, and other women, you know, in the community that you may have never heard of in your life, Um, which I want to say thank you for, like, creating this platform because 
there are a lot of women out there. And I, I mean, I talk to people all the time and, you know, that's their biggest issue is that they feel that, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't speak. Like I, I um, try to get people to submit, you know, proposals for this year's um, Polyglot Conference Global Online event since Richard teamed up with um, Tetsu, um, you know, to do it online since it's not going to be in Mexico because of Corona. And, you know, a lot of, um, I try to get people, you know, to submit, you know, their proposals because there were so many people that had so many great stories, you know, and, um, a lot of them were, you know, African American because there's not a lot of representation for African American or, you know, um, people of the black diasporas, um, you know, out there in the forefront of, um, the language community as much. And, I said, I think, you know, this will be great for, you know, people to see all these other people that nobody knows anything about. They're, they're around, but they're kind of, you know, tucked away. And, um, I, you know, I did get some resistance because, you know, they felt apprehensive because they didn't know if anyone would take them seriously. And I said, well, what? From personal experience, um, I've made lots of friends in the language learning community, and it wasn't really about, you know, race or gender or even disability. It was just because we had a sheer common interest in languages, and then you kind of cipher off a little bit because some people might be more linguistically inclined or you know, they might like food or travel or, you know, history or whatever it is. And I said, you know, I, I might not even speak the language, but I might be interested in other parts of, you know, the, uh, the culture or, you know, the people in general or even the country. And I'll join groups and I'll put myself out there. And I said, if you don't put yourself out there, you'll, you'll, you know, no one's going to know that you exist. And I, I, I got a few people that, you know, took, took my advice seriously. I was like, oh, yeah, look, if I can do it, and I put myself out there every day on my show. And, you know, I didn't think anybody would, would take me seriously or come on my show. I was like, you know, but, but people have. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I learned just as much from them as they do me. You know, so if if I can do it and, you know, I just have my podcast show, um, then anybody can do it, you know. And, yes, it is frightening. It's very frightening to want to go and speak or, you know, put yourself out there. Um, but I said, you know, if, if, you, if you want people to know who you are in the mainstream, you know, um, language learning community, you, you, you gotta take a step or two. Um, so, um, um, there was one more question I had to ask. Actually, um, before you get to the next question, that, that that's exactly something that I wanted to touch on. Um, 
first, it's awesome that you're encouraging people to go and submit to things. But second, this is part of the reason why we do things the way that we do when mm-hmm. we are looking for speakers, because, you know, a lot of speakers, they don't have the confidence to put themselves out there and they don't have the experience to have that confidence. So it's kind of it just goes around in this endless loop. And so the reason that we try to reach out to speakers is to, you know, help them build that confidence. Say, yes, we want to hear from you. You have something that like we want other people to hear about. And then in doing so, the speakers have get to have that experience of speaking at an event, which in turn helps them build confidence to go and submit to future events. I know that some of our speakers from past events, they've told us that because they spoke at Women in Language, they gained the confidence that they needed to submit to some of these other events. And that's all about what we're, we're trying to do is, you know, help those who might not have had the confidence to to. to uh, she's after an opportunity like this to find the confidence to do it in the future. Yeah, because I know I was, um, I had joined um, Shahida Foster's Black Girls Learn Languages group last year after hearing her speak at Women in Language. And then I, I actually networked with her and I interviewed her. And that was another cool thing about Women in Language. You get to network with people and meet people that you normally wouldn't meet otherwise, which was kind of cool. And, um, I had, I had asked, I, I had gotten like, oh, you know, met a lot of people in regards to that. Because at first I had no idea that there was any, you know, um, African American, um, language groups out there, period. And so I, I would be reading these people's, you know, comments and I, and I would say, well, wait a minute. Do you, you do know that like all these groups that are out here, we're all wanting the same thing. <laughs> like we all want to learn languages, you know, um, but I, I think some of them are very fearful because of like, you know, past experiences, maybe in their own lives of being like judged by, you know, other people who weren't um african-american in particular um i i noticed that like there's a lot of um i would say self-doubt um confidence is is another issue that they have um some of them that i know um they kind of feel like because they've been drafted with a muslim you know that if they say anything they're afraid that if they they speak that, that someone's going to, you know, knock them down, like, you know, verbally or, you know, through typing words out. And I guess because they've been so, you know, ridiculed so much, that's why a lot of them, you know, don't, don't do it. And I said, well, I can tell you, I, I know a lot of people in the language learning community are nothing like that. About 90% of them are like really nice people, you know, and I mean, it it kind of shocks me that, you know, I, I see, like, a lot more, um, uh, like, the more languages I get um, into. Like, right now I'm into Arabic and a few of the other Asian languages. So I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for, the, for those languages to help me with my languages and to build more community. I, I find that... Um, 
they, I don't know if it's just the, the African-American community here in the States, just, you know, because I don't see that elsewhere. Um, they kind of feel isolated. And I, I mean, I guess because I've, you know, put myself out there probably in the mainstream a lot more. And, you know, I'm just now building, you know, contacts with some people in the, in, in the African-American language learning space, you know, a little bit more just, you know, to make it more diverse um, and to get them to, 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 you know, like come to women in language or try Lane Fest or try the polyglot conference or try, you know, polyglot gathering, you know, just, just to see if you, you know, if you like it, you know, cause you never know. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like they're like, some of them are just very, they're just like afraid. And I wonder, you know, because of the whole situation that we're having right now with the whole lockdown situation and no one can travel, you know, would this probably be a good time, you know, to see if, if, if more people in the African-American diaspora, here in the States anyway, would, would, you know, consider, you know, taking part mm -hmm. in women in language just to see what you guys have to offer and that it, it's not scary, that it's more open and more inclusive than, than you know, whatever made them uncomfortable to think they, they, they couldn't belong in the mainstream. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, for us, one of the things that's really important to us is creating a safe community and a place where people feel welcome and connected. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why we make sure that we have, you know, a lively Facebook group and we have the chat for each of the discussions. And we really invite everyone to come and take part in these things because we've done a really great job of creating, not like to pat our own backs, but there's just something about women in language and the way that the event's been designed and the people who want to join us at an event like this, it just ends up being this really supportive, really creative, really encouraging community. And, you know, we're in the chat with you guys at each of these talks and we, um, we are just always surprised and both elated at the fact that the chats are just always so positive and encouraging and right. so many connections and, and relationships have come out of it. For example, um, there's language lovers AU, which is a podcast and the two uh, hosts of that podcast, they met at women in language and Lindsay's met an exchange partner that she's even gone to meet up with in person through women in language. And so we just do everything that we can to create a safe environment for people to discuss the things they feel need to be discussed, to reach out and connect with people who, right. you know, share their views, their values and everything. And so, you know, that part of women in language is so important to us. And so we do everything that we can to preserve it and provide it. Right. Cause I, I told Kirsten, I said, um, you know, if you want, I'll, I'll put this out here for you guys, you know, for my show and everything and get, try to, you know, my other social media, you know, plug it as much as I can 
all the groups that I'm in, whatever language groups I'm in, you know, just to get the word out, you know, anybody wants to come, they're more than welcome, you know, it's $29, that's not bad for a ticket, um, and it's, you know, it, it could change your life in a lot of ways, you know. Absolutely, and then too, you know, it's a great launch pad for people who may not feel confident, you know, speaking or attending one of these events because, because it's such a great environment, it'll help you build confidence to, you know, get out there and, and attend some of these other events or even um, start speaking at an event. And, of course, if you're attending Women in Language, one of the most important things that you can do if you know of amazing people who might be shy or might not have the confidence to submit on their own at the end of the conference when we call for future speakers, put their name on that form, and uh, we will reach out to them. So there's always that as well. So it's 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 you know, it's just a really great environment because of the way that everyone just contributes and participates and encourages and, you know, the fact that we ask you guys to nominate people that you'd like to see rather than us, you know, with whatever limitations or networks or research we do that there's, there's basically no limitations because we're opening it up for anyone and everyone to say you should talk to this person. All right, because, I mean, I, I know when I did my first, um, when I attended for the first time last year, and I think the most frightening thing I did in a very long time, and I'm used to speaking in large crowds of people, live. But when I had to do that six-minute lightning talk last year, trust me, I was, I had probably practiced that speech about ten times before I actually had to give it, just because, Oh, like, oh my God, these are six minutes. <laughs> you know, but a lot of, everybody was like, I saw that. That was so cool. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, and, and it was, it was, it was like the first time me having to speak worldwide, you know. So, I mean, I'm just used to speaking like in a hall full of people, like 500 people or more. But, uh, yeah, that was, I, I'm glad people liked it for the most part. I mean, I got to share, you know, how I learned my languages in my own way. Um, and I also, I would have to say for me personally, I, I actually enjoyed the camaraderie. It was a lot of fun. I had a blast. And um, I said, you know, because I know that um, you guys had decided to make it in the fall instead of having it in March because of so much stuff that was going on. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. I can't wait, you know. And then when the whole lockdown went down, I was like, well, see, at least we still have women in language. Because I didn't know how anybody was going to do the polyglot conference. I didn't know how anybody was going to do the um, polyglot gathering because of, you know, the corona thing. And then when Chuck and them had... um you know, put it up online and start charging, you know, 20 bucks for the early bird special. I was just like, I'm going, you know, I, I have to, I have to, you know, uh, uh, go to this because, you know, it, it gave me, I would say personally, something to focus on that wasn't related to what was going on. Like, you know, globally with the pandemic or anything. And then I lost a couple of relatives this year, once a corona and one heart related issue. 
And so for me, I can actually say having these events um, on a personal level is, is a great thing. It's, a, it's like a distraction. You still get to focus on something that's positive, you know, instead of, you know, all the negative that's going on in the world. And the fact that, in general, people are able to keep themselves distracted with some of the things that they still love doing and find the beauty still in learning languages, given the, uh, you know, situation we're dealing with, you know, worldwide with the pandemic. Um, you know, it's, it's a great thing. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy that I'm a part of this community because otherwise, if I didn't have my podcast, my languages or any of these events to go to or participate in, I don't even know personally how I would be mentally. And I've actually had people say to me, well, thank you for keep going because this is what's keeping, you know, a lot of people, you know, sane right now you know, through these difficult times, having something like this to focus on, you know, because I actually thought that maybe because of everything that was going on, you know, as far as the pandemic and, you know, that it had originated in, in, in China and, and all that, that there would be, you know, some type of a negative backlash on language learning for the moment, just because of what had happened. But then I started to see that it was the polar opposite. People became more, focused on wanting to learn, you know, languages and, and, and become a part of this community as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, because of the fact that, well, I can't go nowhere, I can't do anything, you know, why not focus on something positive? So, you know, I just want to say thanks for uh, keeping this going, because I, I think it gives a lot of, of positive um, reinforcement to people at, at such a dark time. Yes, and thank you for your support, and I'm sorry to hear about your losses this year. I imagine that's been tough. Yeah, my my friend of 35 years, um, Kevin Wilford, we were in the third grade together when we met. He passed away to coronavirus. He came back with his family family from Florida, and he wasn't feeling well. His wife took him to the hospital. They tested him for corona. He was tested positive had double pneumonia. Three days later, he died. Massive heart attack. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, he was a major supporter of mine. So whatever it was I did in my life, whether I go to, I graduated from college, film school, guide dog school. Um, I had my podcast. He helped support me, um, when I got my teeth cert. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very, very hard, but I realized, you know, I, the two things I had, I mean, our friendship was very, he was family pretty much. That's how close we were. And, um, you know, I just knew that he would have been happy, you know, for me that, you know, I've gotten so far as I have in regards to, um, uh, my own, you know, podcast and, and helping people with their languages and, and, branching out in the community and collaborating with people and so forth and so on. So, I mean, I caught, I kept the positive part of it in my head, even though it's only been less than two and a half months. So, you know, I, I try to focus 
pretty much on the positive and, and keep, you know, plugging away with the show and interviews and, um, uh, I will be, um, not only at, you know, Women in Language, I'll be, um, at this year's International Podcast Day, um, speaking about the show, and then I'm also going to be presenting at, um, uh, the Polyglot Conference online this year as a presenter for the first time. So I, you know, I've, I've been able to keep myself focused, um, on positive things, um, you know, while people are, you know, fighting this, this pandemic and other illnesses. And, um, I try to keep myself mentally fit by, remembering why I'm doing this, you know, to help other people and that it could, you know, even though I have my own pain that's going on, you know, I, I know that there's someone out there that probably has it a hell of a lot worse than me. So, you know, trying to provide positivity and, um, you know, that people can still learn languages even during a bleak time like this, you know, and I, I, um, I'm very, I would say happy to, to be a part of a community that's very inclusive and very supportive, regardless if you're going through language milestones, personal milestones, you know, I don't think I've had that much support in a very long time. So I just want to say thank you for your friendship and for your support and for coming on to the show for the third time. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You too, you too, Chanel, of course. Um, and actually, you're probably the first person here so far that has come on the show more than twice. I'm honored. <laughs> so Tetsu is the second, actually. He he. Um, I interviewed him for um, the collaboration that him and Langfest and Richard are doing um, recently. So like Tuesday, actually. But um, yeah. So I just want to say. Um, Thank you for what you do. And um, by the way, I just want to say, yes, I miss your food pictures. <laughs> I feel like I'm out beating you and posting food pictures. I'm like, so, wait a minute. When is she going to make something else? So you know why you don't see them anymore? There's actually a reason for this. It's because I created a separate Instagram account just for my food pictures. Oh, you know what? I had no idea about that because I was looking on Facebook. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, the Eurolinguist posts go through to Facebook, but this new account is just solely on Instagram. But I've been posting all of my food pictures there. It's SoCal Food Lovers. Okay, I'm gonna have to find that so I can, because I'm on Instagram. I just uh, because I've been cooking stuff lately. I don't know if you've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually made a replication of the no-bake queen's cake that Prince William had for his, um, his wedding at Kate Middleton. And, um, it's a very easy recipe to make. And I made it, and it was really good. And it's like an under $10 recipe. And so, um, I have it on my, um... My other podcast show that I have, Cooking with Chanel, the Visually Impaired Way on Anchor, um, where I have like 29 episodes so far um, of different recipes that I've 
May recently. So, um, yeah, I'm making a lot of Middle Eastern food. I've made some hibachi without any cores. Um, I've made a whole bunch of desserts. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking pictures of all the food before I eat it. And then I post it. And then I make a, a podcast episode about it. So if anyone wants to, you know, um, you know, hear the audio version of it and make the recipe, they can. Because um, I understand some people can't read it. So that's another reason I did that for. And since I love to cook, I was like, well, why not make a podcast about it? <laughs> I mean, because me shooting video and trying to shoot a video and while I'm cooking, uh, I don't have a tripod. So I'm like, I, no, I'll just do it this way. It's a little bit more easier. So, yeah, um, I was like, wait, I've been looking at these doors she's been putting up. I just haven't seen food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the food got moved over, but, yeah, it's still there. So I'm just curious, are you um, still teamed up with drops? I am, yeah. I still work with Fluent in Three Months as the head coach of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, and I'm also Benny's co-host of the Language Hacking Podcast, and I am still the resident polyglot at Drops. And we actually just started a new series on Instagram as well called Ask the Polyglot, and I'm documenting all of my language projects. I'm currently learning Persian, and um, we also um, have a question, like, an answer every single month so we do a call out for questions and anyone who uh, is interested in asking me a question can submit the question to drops and then I answer a whole slew of them every single month in a video and those videos get posted to the drops language channel and um, you can check those out those are those are a lot of fun to put together oh that's awesome because I was going to sit I was going to tell you that um there is, if you're looking for more material uh, for Persian, just as FYI, um, there is Persian Persian Pod 101, and I actually took a look at that. It's not bad. Line by line audio is good. Um, the one where they have to act it out, I don't really listen to that much because it's a distraction. Um, Mango has Persian. So if you want, like, your library, if you want to go, want to have to pay for it. And I think SBS Radio has Persian. NHK World has a Persian podcast. And, ooh, there was something else that had Persian. I can't remember off the Oh, but if you want radio stations, the lore... I did try Radio Garden, but I didn't like it. Um, tune in Radio. I found that if you look under, like, states or countries, you go down to Iran or whatever, you find so much Persian everything. It's ridiculous. Talk shows. Um, oh, and Netflix. Too, because now they've become more... They become more accessible for blind and visually impaired people too, but they've become more language focused too. So I've I've been able to watch like El Heba in um Levantine Arabic and uh with the English subtitles for. But um yeah, so 
those um, were the ones that I had off the top of my head. Oh, and 50 languages, too. So, Thank yeah. Thank yeah, you so. for the recommendations. Yeah, because I was just like, I, I saw that you were doing that, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, let me look up and see. And I know Colloquial Languages has free audio that you can do. And I think they have the book, too. It's in PDF. That I do know. But um, I attempted to learn a little bit of Persian. But I wasn't, like, 100% sold on it yet. So I said, I'm, I'm going to take my time and um, go through the Arabic, because that's my, my new love language right now, Arabic. So I'm, oh, and I'm going to be doing another year with the Michelle Thomas Method, um, reviewing their courses for them. So I just finished my first year and that's my with them. And um, I pretty much, I've almost reviewed almost every course they have. The last review I think I did was uh, their Mandarin uh, Foundation. So... And that was a stretch for me because I wasn't expecting to do that. <laughs> but I, I'm glad I came out of my comfort zone now. It, it teaches me to, to, even though I might not want to speak Mandarin, somebody else might want to know something about it. So I don't mind diving in to give a review for it, even though I might not use it. Because I'm, I'm actually more on the Cantonese side. I like Cantonese in the way it sounds, along with Japanese and Thai. But, um, yeah, so, um, as a wrap-up, um, where can they find you and um, any more information? Sure. So, um, in terms of women in language, you can find more information at womeninlanguage.com. And, of course, just it needs to be said that the women in language refers to the seekers, not to attendees. So everyone and anyone of any gender is, of course, more than welcome to attend the event. It'll, it's a great opportunity to hear from different perspectives and different voices. So that's womeninlanguage.com. And once again, the event is September 17th to September 20th. And you can get your tickets up until the last day of the event. But once the event is over, you won't be able to get your tickets to 2020 anymore. And I can be found at Eurolinguist, E-U-R-O-L-I-N-G-U-I-S-T-E dot com. Thank you for spelling that because you won't believe how I spelled it. (laughs) (laughs) I had an E between the U. Okay, so, um, um, Watatsu wa Jamata Sayonara. Jamata ne. Um, that's as much Japanese as I can remember at top of my head. So, <laughs> and I know you don't speak Cantonese, so I won't even go there. Dajabu desu ne. It's alright. Yeah, because I, uh, yeah. Oh, Bahu Bahu Achat Daniwat Mira Dostehi Namaste. Daniwat. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. It's been a blast. 
Christmas. Thank you for having me again. And I can't wait till next week. I'm like counting the days down as we speak, actually. Well, I'll see you then. I probably will be sleep deprived after it all. Over, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind. I will have my my bold coffee and from my Keurig and and be sipping on it, and Bonnie will be next to me somewhere. So <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially if I have to wake up at three in the morning. It's definitely yeah. worth it. Yeah. Well, bye. Bye. Thank you. You're welcome.